Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Dalton Stanford, and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. It's another edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon and online and wherever you might be listening to the program. Al Holder is going to join us a little later in the show. Al keeps us up to date about minor league baseball and how Southern Miss kids are doing uh, in professional baseball. One of those young men that uh, just got through with his first season of professional baseball J.C. Keys is going to be joining us here in just a moment. And then a little later in the show, we're going to look back, Kelly Santer, at the, some of the history between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And people that aren't old enough. Mississippi State and Southern Miss. Southern Miss. People who aren't old enough to, uh, to know this may think that the big rivalry during the much of the 70s and 80s was State and Ole Miss, when in fact the biggest crowds were when Southern Miss and and uh, Mississippi State played, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of those. Uh, and those crowds, memorable games. Those crowds would be guaranteed, you know, for for yes. both schools. You would think if as time goes on. And in Jackson, and they they played in Jackson before sixty thousand plus. Uh, exciting times, and uh, we'll talk just a little bit about that uh, later in the program. This segment sponsored by our good buddies at Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. Dickie's uh, cooks fresh meat every day in their restaurants around Mississippi, including, of course, here in Hattiesburg. And they'll cater any event. So if you want to plan out the next tailgate uh, three weeks from Saturday, uh, you can call Dickie's, uh, get it all set up. They'll bring it to you. You can sit back, relax, have fun during a football Saturday and let Dickies do the cooking. All right, we're going to spend some time today talking about baseball. We love college baseball on this show, and uh, clearly one of uh, our favorite players over the last uh, four years for the Golden Eagles has been J.C. Keys out of uh, Oak Grove High School and now with the Cincinnati Reds organization, just finished his first season of rookie league ball and joins the Eagle Hour. J.C., good to back, have you back on the show, man. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, J.C., here's the first and most obvious question. You just finished a season of Rookie League Ball uh, after finishing your senior year at Southern Miss. Put in perspective for our listeners the difference uh, that you saw and experienced uh, playing professionally and playing college baseball. Uh, I, would, I would say that the difference between college baseball and professional baseball is the the structural of everything. You know, when you're in college baseball, everything is so structured around trying to be able to work things out with uh, school and having everybody there. But during a professional league, I mean, everybody's there. It's, it's really no, nothing. Everything is about baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm about to say. The difference between pro ball and college ball. Another question I have for you. We were talking about this yesterday. We were talking about uh, Matt Walner and uh, that he he seems now to be struggling a little bit. And and we were talking about the length of the season. By the time you start uh, 
college ball practice back in January. You play the season. Uh, in your case, you just got through with rookie league ball. How big a factor does fatigue uh, play, J.C., when you've uh, finished an entire college season and then you're you're stretched out all through the summer in professional ball? Uh, there's definitely, definitely fatigue there. Uh, you know, we've been playing baseball since the fall and then having a whole season of college ball and then you're lucky to get uh, taken in a draft. You play a whole whole summer almost until September if you want to go to the playoffs in the, in the pro league. And the fatigue definitely does. Like, I wonder if the fact that you're a pitcher has a little bit, because you know, you're not in the lineup every single day. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's the difference between about uh, being a pitcher and a position player. You don't play every day. You may, if you're a starter, you throw maybe once or twice a week, and you, you're able to recover better than a position player. And I want to ask you this too, JC, when you get into professional baseball, it's it's no secret, obviously, that a lot of the players are from Latin America, you know, the Dominican Republic and so on. Did you have any language barriers uh, with, with some of your teammates now in rookie ball? Uh, I did. There's a, about a, a, a few of them that, that were on my team with me, and you know, Warner had a couple of them on, on his team. So how, how, do, you, how do you handle that? Uh, just trying to, you know, best, the best way you can is to, to break down your, your, your sentences between them and try to, like, communicate as, as simple as possible with them. But you have, you do have some guys that, that are, can speak both languages. And if you ever notice, like, if there's a, a pitch conference or a, a meeting on the, on the mound and say your catcher is, he is Latin, and um, you can't. He can't relate English. And you have another uh, Spanish guy who can speak English come up to the mountain and uh, translate that. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, language language I think has always been has you know has always been a problem. Yeah. And and guys who have have preceded you, uh, JC going to going to pro ball have have talked about uh, the fact. Now that when you were on a college team, everybody was yay, rah, rah. We're all in this thing together. But now everybody on that pitching staff is competing, you know, for positions. I mean, you're, you're, you're teammates, but you're also adversaries. That's got to be a little bit of a change. Yes, uh, there's a, a difference between, you know, college ball. Um, you're trying to move up, and, and you, do, you are teammates. And at the end of the day, you put your teammates first. But at the end of the day, you also, it also is a job, and you're trying to move up. And one of the problems that I hear guys tell me, too, is that their frustration with pro ball is that you really don't get a whole lot of feedback from the manager or the pitching coach. Or, you know, we're in college. The coaches are always telling you, we need to do this, we need to do that. But really, you're more on your own in pro ball. Has that been your experience so far, J.C.? Or tell us about it. Yeah, it's true. Um, like I was saying, everything is in college is so – structural and the coaches in college are so hands-on but in the pro ball I mean you're professional so they want you to do what you did in college ball or maybe in high school that got you there and maybe if they if they see something that they can tweak with either your your pitch mechanics or see something that you can do different um they'll tell you but at the end of the day you don't have to do it you know what I'm saying because like you're you are a professional and what what you did got you there but if if it doesn't 
if what you're doing does not work, then that's going to cause a problem because they're going to see, okay, now he's not listening and he doesn't want to change. And you can't be afraid to change. How would you describe your first season? Uh, it was fun. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it was different. Different uh, atmosphere being in uh, Greenville, Tennessee, but I liked it. Really fun. Al's actually going to fill in some of his uh, numbers right. for us a little bit later on right. in the show. Now, JC, we uh, Kelly told us that uh, you and Gidry, before you left, y'all were like the reigning beer pong champions uh, <laughs> at Brewski's. Have you had a chance to go back and defend your title since the season ended? I actually went last week. Oh. Last week is my first time going back. And I uh, came up short, uh, lost in the semifinals <laughs> to, uh, to my old teammate. Uh, Storm Cooper and oh. Stevie Powers. Well, we so, were a little rusty. Is that is that what we're yeah, here to? That was a little rusty. <laughs> but <laughs> but tonight payback will be hell. Yes, yes, tonight. I actually, I'm playing with Storm Cooper tonight. So. Oh, oh so wow! With the champ, the varsity <laughs> all together. Yeah. Which which he did tell us, JC, uh, on the, when he was on the show recently, he was the greatest player to ever come out of the state of Missouri and play at Southern Miss. Do you have any disagreement with that? You talking about in beer pong? Oh no, in baseball. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, I did not. I didn't. I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> well, he does. That's what. Considering there's only been three to ever right. come out of Missouri, <laughs> right, he was right, the best right. one ever. Well, we're we're glad you're back, and uh, we've certainly all enjoyed watching you play baseball for Southern Miss. You truly were one of the favorites of this radio show, and, and we're glad to see you're back on the on the on the the ping pong circuit so to speak <laughs> but and jc because obviously it's gonna it's gonna weigh a lot with the reds the fact that that you know bob and i right 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 that has helped you a lot was that was that like a big uh you know a big hands up for you it was it definitely was <laughs> <laughs> jc always a pleasure young man to have you on the show man best of luck to you yes sir thank you <laughs> Joseph Charles Keyes, also known as uh, J.C. pitching for Greenville, Tennessee. Now he gets to take some much-needed time off because you know, you, you know, you talked about playing since January. You know when they started practicing, but but he added yeah. the fall season too. Remember there was a fall season, so they'd really been going. He came up a little short to Storm Cooper and Stevie Powers. But they're together tonight, buddy. So everybody else, beware. <laughs> The Eagle Hour continues after we burn our first time out. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Hey, I want to thank J.C. Keys for joining us uh, in the opening segment. Was scheduled to be in the studio with us, uh, but had class, and uh, don't want to interrupt that, obviously. So, J.C. took a few minutes to talk to us, and uh, needless to say, we enjoyed that conversation uh, with J.C. Keys. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. You'll find them down on uh, Hardy Street, right by the uh, 49 Hardy Street intersection, of course. And if you're listening in other parts of the state, you can just go to CampusBookmart.net. And uh, you can pick out your Southern Miss swag, and they will send it right to your front door. want to thank Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, for all they do for this show and uh, for the University of Southern Mississippi. All right, as we just uh, indicated, J.C. Keyes just finished uh, his rookie league ball with the Cincinnati Reds. And our buddy uh, Al Holder keeps up with all of these kids for us and uh, how they're doing in minor league baseball, for which we're grateful. So we asked Al to come back on the show today and update us. And Al just got off the phone with J.C. He's uh, through with rookie league ball. And I think all things considered, he he did pretty well his rookie year, did he not? He did. Uh, he, he was 1-1, uh, one and one, uh, 377 ERA in 14.1 innings. Uh, gave up, uh, let's see, 21 strikeouts and seven base on balls. So that's a but pretty good he, ratio, yeah. Three to one ratio. And you know something I always noticed about uh, 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 JC uh, is that uh, one of my favorite pitchers of all time was a guy named Nolan Ryan, and Nolan threw a fastball and a twelve six curveball, and I, I always thought those were the two best pitches that uh, JC had. So. I'm, Maybe he can pick it up a little bit and become another Nolan Ryan. Well, you're right. He had a filthy, filthy curveball. There's, there's no, no question about that. All right, Luke, get in this conversation. Who do you want to know about since we have the minor league guru on the show? Well, Al, uh, every Wednesday morning I sit down with uh, Garrett Braley, Taylor's brother, and about the only thing Taylor did this last weekend was shoot a bunch of doves. But tell our audience uh, how he finished up and uh, and uh, how he finished up with the Miami Marlins organization. Yeah, he's an A advance down there. But the uh, but most of the minor leagues are shutting down. Uh, probably about this week is going to. Some of them are already gotten shut down, and uh, some of them are going to be shut down this week. But uh, Braley uh, finished up three and six. His ERA was three point three eight. He threw one hundred and one point one innings. Had uh, 65 strikeouts and 15 base on balls, so I think he acquitted himself pretty well there. Uh, uh, you know, so we'll see where he ends up next year. Whether they start him in A advanced and then move him, but uh, I suspected with that, I suspect with that ERA that they'll bump him up uh, to Double A and see what he can do. He was a guy where he was kind of like their fourth or fifth guy, and he always I followed him a lot because I'm friends with his family. And uh, he just got some some situations where he wouldn't give up hardly any uh, any hits. He would just uh, they would score a run on an error, and for that, so I, I think he will bounce back a little bit. Let's keep with Oak Grove because JC and Taylor both went there. Our man, the uh, the Southpaw Kirk McCarty. He uh, Kirk is at uh, Lynchburg. Uh, he's still he's still there. He had an injury uh, earlier on this this year. Toward the early middle part of the year, and uh, but he finished three and seven. Uh, they like they throw him a lot. Uh, his ERA was five six six. His uh, inning, he pitched fifty five point two innings, sixty strikeouts, and sixteen baseball balls. I think they they like his left arm. Uh, I think he's got some work to do, but uh, I think he'll probably start there next year and uh, possibly get bumped up because 
if I remember correctly, he got bumped up one time and brought back. I think that's what happened. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he did. But I, I everybody wants to know about. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I, I always thought he was kind of like a bulldog. He just basically was just not going to give up. He was going to fight you to the end. So. Good quality. Everybody wants to know about the big end, how Walner uh, has been doing. I think he struggled a little bit average wise. Yeah, you know, he 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 went from a rookie up to uh uh A ball. And uh at Cedar Rapids he 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 was at bat forty four times there, but boy his uh batting average suffered. He he was at bat forty four times, got nine hits, two home runs. His his batting average at one time was below two hundred but it finished up at 205. That's what he is right now. I think they've got one or two games left. He had six RBIs. Uh, my my thinking with Walner, and having watched him for three years uh, at Southern Miss and then uh, uh, following him, even though I didn't get to see him put an eyeball on him, but he, he just always seemed to be a bit of a sucker for a, uh, a sinker, uh, but particularly sliders. And so I'm pretty sure he saw nothing but cutters and sliders and and swung over a bunch of them. I think they'll work on him. They, you know, there's a lot of places to go play baseball uh, between now and uh, next spring, and uh, I'm sure they'll work on him. Uh, keep his eyes up, looking for pitches up instead of down. So that'd yeah, but, be my thinking. But the other thing, too, that Bob mentioned in, in the talk with J.C. Keyes a little bit earlier, Waller's an everyday player. And when you yeah. go back to the fall season and then since January, he's been going just about every single day nonstop. And here we are in September. So, no and, and, and I know it's the same for everybody, but fatigue has to sit in. And you have to remember, too, that this kid is a native Minnesotan. All right. So he has not been exposed to extended periods like this of intense heat. And it has been a brutal summer. So I can't yeah. help but think I'm not making excuses for him, nor would he probably want me to, but I'm just saying I think physically that has to weigh into the equation. Yeah, I think so. He he had uh, 208 bats up there at uh, uh, at Elizabethton when, after he had finished uh, uh, the regionals and the, and the tournament and the, and the Southern Miss season this year. So you're right. He, had, he's, he swung the bat a lot. And, uh, but, uh, and he's, he's, he seemed to just kind of wind down. His his in rookie league he was batting right at two seventy two sixty nine, and uh, uh, had fifty six hits on two hundred eighty bats. So. Hmm. Yeah. But he still put that million dollars in the bank, didn't he, Al? That, that, that's what. If I was him, I'd be appreciative of that. <laughs> that's an at bat he did yeah. very well. That, that's like a week's salary for you, then. Uh, a couple weeks, a couple okay, weeks, a couple weeks out. And uh, what about uh, what about the most famous of all Southern Miss baseball players, Mister Dozier, Al? Uh, Brian is he's his wife uh, is uh, somewhere between delivery and of, of their of their uh, baby, and so he has been on paternity leave a couple of times. But uh, he's having a pretty decent year up there at uh, kind of like pretty average on what he has done uh, most of his career. Uh, his batting average right now is two thirty six. He's hit nineteen home runs, has forty five RBIs, and uh, and he's not an everyday player anymore. You know they. They rest him a good bit. He seems to, when he comes back, he seems to really be hot when he mm-hmm. comes back and he bangs the ball around. But I think, uh, 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 I think he's uh, about to be a father, and I think that's playing into all of this. When you look at when you look at his numbers, though, like Al was saying, nineteen dingers, forty-five runs batted in, not as a full-time player. 
normally back in the day your second basemen weren't power hitters mm-hmm. right exactly. you, they were they played more for their for their defensive side and he's been a consistent performer at the plate mm-hmm. you know and and so i think and and with good power you know so yeah. he's going to continue to have as long as he wants to play and stays injury free mm-hmm. you would think that he would have a, a good long career because it's all about consistency well, he's been yeah, very he's, he, Washington uh, may pick him back up for a couple of years. Uh, I, I think they're going to look for a two-year contract minimum, and uh, uh, but I think Washington may pick him up. He seems to fit in really well there, and uh, he's he is as good as you can get in the clubhouse. And I, I hear that from every every situation I've ever ever looked at. He's just really respected in the club. Fair to say he seems to have fit in much better with the Nats than he did in Los Angeles. I think so. No question. Yeah. You know, Brett Favre always talked about in his playing days that the best thing that ever happened that he was traded to Green Bay, mm-hmm. which by yeah. far was the smallest market mm-hmm. of any team, like where Eli Manning went to New York. Well, you know, Brett uh, said New York would have absolutely chewed well, him Washington up and spit him out. Washington obviously is a small market compared to yeah. Los Angeles. You know who's had a big improvement here in the last 10 games was Luke Reynolds. Really? I, I, yeah, his his batting average jumped up. But he's, he's batting 243 in the last 10 and uh, has uh, has swung the bat a lot, lot better. And so uh, he may be, uh, may be catching on a little bit. Now, now uh, Kirk McCarty and the Cleveland Indians organization, what about uh, Luke, uh, uh, Nick Sandlin, rather? Nick is uh, nothing. I haven't heard a word since July. I, he... He has absolutely been shut down, and I, I know he's in rehab, doing rehab. But but uh, he is not, uh, to my knowledge, he is not uh, throwing. He's not doing anything. They're trying to get that arm uh, healed up. Uh, I think they might have brought him back just a little too soon because I, I really think they wanted him uh, with the, the big club this year. Uh, but uh, they've shut him down, so I suspect he'll go to spring training, and he may come out of spring training uh, with. Uh, the Indians, if his if his arm's healthy, and the Indians go back to Triple A, and the Indians are going to be a postseason team this year. They're going to get yes. one of the wild cards, so he yes, he would have he would have been good to have. But that's the way yep. it goes sometimes. Yep. yep. All right, yep. Al. I'm gonna if you can stick around, I'm gonna ask you to stick through the break. We're gonna switch gears, and we want to talk a little bit about the the Southern Miss Mississippi State football history, which I know uh, you know a lot about. So, are you good to hang on for another segment? Absolutely. All right. Al Holder, the one and only, be working on overtime when we come back. Actually, he'll get a three-minute nap. Yes, you can take a nap, Al, and we will wake you up uh, in between segments. Is that good? (laughs) I think he hung up. Al Holder next on the Eagle Hour. Hope your Wednesday's going great. Thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Bob, Kelly, Luke, and Dalton. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Stop by and grab one of those great 
Lunch Specials, 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. We continue with Al Holder, and Al, I am uh, looking at the all-time meetings between Southern Miss and Mississippi State. The series is tied, 14 wins uh, for Southern Miss, 14 losses, and uh, there's actually a, a tie in 1973. Uh, this is the 30th meeting. Is it, is it, do any of those, because I know uh, Bob was there, you probably weren't, but back in 1922 when they played the first time, Bob was in the end zone cheering. <laughs> which one of you, uh, which one of those that you saw stands out the most to you? 81. The, the, uh, I, I still think, uh, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 81, uh, I still think that's the the best football team we ever beat, uh, and uh, I don't I, I don't say that I hate to say that with Mississippi State uh, people maybe listening, but the the uh, uh, that was uh, Reggie Collier and uh, uh, Sammy Winder, uh, Sammy Winder, and I mean we just had a, it, it was an awesome uh, football game. Uh, both teams were really really good, and. Uh, uh, I'm trying to call him. I can't believe I can't think of his name. The defensive end for Mississippi State. Uh, I, I see him fairly frequently, and every time I do, he'll tell me that's the tiredest he's ever been after a football was game. Was it Jason. Fred Cooks by any chance? No, Cook was a linebacker. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, God, well, let me kind of set the stage for our listeners about that game, Al, because you're you're exactly right. Yeah. Number one. Both teams were ranked in the top 25 back when it was, I think, far more legitimate rankings than what we see today. So both teams were in the top 25. It was the largest crowd to ever witness a sporting event in the state of Mississippi that afternoon, 62,000-plus, as I recall, in Jackson. 7-6 to was the final score. Uh, And it was was maybe – Maybe one of the best football games ever played in the state of Mississippi. Fair to say. Fair to say. It, yeah. it just. It was just a. Uh, it was just a. The, the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was just. It was a great, great. Uh, it was a great venue. Everything. Everything about it was just awesome. And uh, it. It was. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of. Kind of comes. I'm beginning to think about it now. It's a beautiful day. I mean, everything mm-hmm. was. Everything was right. And to set the stage for it, the year before, 1980, the Golden Eagles went to Starkville. And they played in Mississippi State's homecoming game and beat Mississippi State 42-14 to on their field at their homecoming. And I'm not not implying that Mississippi State didn't have a very good football team. They did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Mississippi State came to Jackson the next year with some vengeance in mind. And the Golden Eagles had just enough to hold them off, but boy, it was a game out that I'm sure you recall could have gone either way. I mean, it, it was it was no mismatch in, in any direction, was it? Yeah. In '81, what what didn't didn't State beat Alabama that year? I think they I did. believe they had beaten Alabama. Yeah, they yeah. they when Alabama was uh, number one, beat them six to yeah, three, yeah, went nine and yeah. three, lost to Nebraska, yeah. Florida, and Southern Miss. But yeah. it speaks to the defensive football that was played in that era by Southern Miss, and, and, and Mississippi State for that matter. But Mississippi State was a high-powered, top-25 program that could only yep. manage two field goals yep. in an entire game against the Southern yep. Miss defense. It was uh, – Al, is it fair to say that, that fans – and I'll just use Luke as an example because he's part of the show. But, but Southern Miss fans from, from Luke's era – 
it would be hard it would be hard to relate the level of excitement enthusiasm and the level of play that Southern Miss football was uh, in that era of time it, it was a different time in football it, it uh, uh, I went to school in the early 60s and and we had a national championship in uh, 62 we we were very very good but it was the type of football was different back then, and it. Uh, uh, but, but we were always in the mix. Uh, you know, we we could we could go out there and play most anybody. In '58, they uh, before this before I was in school, but uh, they, they tried to match us up with uh, LSU. LSU was the uh, university division champion, and we were the college division champion in the Sugar Bowl. And LSU refused to play us, and they played Rice instead. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an old story, but uh, it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. We, we could have uh, played uh, LSU in the Sugar Bowl. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see to ask you and and, and Al Bob about the, that game in '81 because seven to six was the score. Most listeners who are just you know tuning in or casual listeners are going seven to six sounds boring. No, you know so so what was it about that game that makes you guys say it, it, that it stood out? So well, it was number one. It was it was magnificent defensive play by both football teams. Dramatic defensive play throughout the football game. And Al, as I recall, as I recall, Mississippi State was leading late in the game and fumbled. Am I correct? And uh-huh. the Golden Eagles got the ball on, on about the 30, 35 yard line, scored, uh, get, managed to get in and score, and then held Mississippi State off at the end of the game and, and kept them out of field goal range where they where they couldn't get a, a reasonable field goal. That's a good question, Kelly, and, and I'll, I'll let you answer it. But I, I, it was so intense. There was so much rivalry between the fan bases. It was so loud. There were so many people, and there was so much on the line. How, uh, why, why do you think it was such football a great game? Football was different. You know, we, 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 people were running the triple option, uh, and, and it was, it was more, more of, a, a, of a running kind of a game. It, it was uh, – which is exhausting to – uh, you know, when you've got linemen and linebackers that are running from one side of the field to the other on every play, it, it's a it's a different kind of football. And uh, but it was uh, it was sure fun. I tell you, that was. A, <laughs> no and, and let me ask. We were let pretty, me ask we you were something real quick. Here. Yeah, we were pretty good. Have there because the next very next week in 1981 is when we went to Tallahassee and Reggie ran all over the Seminoles. Uh, yeah. Has there ever been two back-to-back wins against ranked opponents that would be as big as as it was November seventh and November fourteenth of eighty-one, Mississippi State and Florida State? Al, I don't know. I don't know about back-to-back, but I'll tell you what was it ninety ninety one when we beat Auburn and Alabama on the road? Correct, same year. And we also beat yeah, it was that a, year. the second game we of the year. We also beat both the of them the year. Uh, in basketball that year. So that was kind mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have to say that year was right up there. We were I remember there were T shirts out that had Southern Miss Alabama State champions always. Exactly. Thought that was, always thought I, that was a very good one. one probably. <laughs> but but Al, you're you're talking about being in school in the sixties. Is your social security number one? Yes. <laughs> it is, okay. Actually actually it's half. Oh half. Half. Oh, that is really old. <laughs> Don't, don't let him fool you, Al. He's not, he's not far down the road. Let me. <laughs> he ain't too far in the taillights. But, but, but you, hear how, you hear how you guys you know, talk about this series with State and, and Southern Miss. 
and I know I, it's never going to happen, but do you see what, what Ole Miss is missing out on? Right. I mean, oh, by, right. And they right. have to play Mississippi State. Right. Because, yeah. But you have to wonder that if they, didn't, if they weren't forced to play Mississippi right. State, would they even right. do that? You know? Right. Well, I agree. Well, there were, there were some like great games Alabama between played. them. You know, there were some great games I, with I'll Ole tell Miss you what. until they quit playing. I tell you what, Ole Miss ain't ever playing Memphis again. I tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they're they're tired of that. Al, I'll bet uh, you remember this. I'll bet you remember the last time when Ole Miss had announced they were going to quit playing Southern Miss. They played mm-hmm. in Jackson, and it was another sixty thousand you know people there. And the Southern Miss cheerleaders came out right before the game, and they were pulling two big signs, and they went to the opposite side of the field, which was the Ole Miss side of the field. And so you couldn't see what was on the sign, but you could hear the Ole Miss crowd really start booing and really hurtling things at the cheerleaders. And as they came around the field, the first big sign said, it's Hottie Totties A-double-S. And the next sign behind them said, again. <laughs> you remember that day, Al? That oh, was, yeah. That yeah. was a pretty yeah. fun day as well. That, yeah. You're right, what, Kelly. We, what did we beat them? We beat five out of the last seven. I think we won for those guys. Yes, we did. And, yeah. you know, and Kelly makes a great point. It was electric. It was magical, magical football when the three schools played. And it yeah. really was a shame to see it come to an end. It really was a shame. And see, my, my home state of Iowa, the legislature makes makes Iowa and Iowa right. State, they make them you know play each other, even though they're, right. they're in Power Five conferences, so that's not going to hurt them. But Northern Iowa is also in the mix. It's a sense of pride for your state. That's right. That's you know, right. And not and, to mention the money involved. And give some credit to Mississippi State sure. University. Absolutely. Here they are playing again. So, I mean, give credit where credit's due. Two more games scheduled, one here, one there after this. I think conversation taking place about uh, you know a continuation of playing each other. And Jay Ladner is, is working right. trying to work on a basketball game with Ole Miss, and Coach right. Bianco at, at Ole Miss has talked about the the valuable series with Southern Miss in baseball. Correct. Mm-hmm. So if, if those two things can happen, why can't it happen right. in football? They were great times, weren't they, Al? Yeah, they were. They were. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, uh, did anybody catch uh, that out in the second half of the, the last week's game? That uh, we instead of dinking and going from side to side, uh, you know, we started going vertical on uh, all corn, and that game yeah. turned around in a hurry. I tell you what, the, just uh, just hang on, Al. We're up against a hard break. You're welcome to to sit through the break sure. and, and finish the show with us. Al Holder, we'll talk a little more about Southern Miss football when Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Goldport Home Center brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. The largest inventory of new and used manufactured housing. Located on Highway 49 in Gulfport. More, more room for you, more room for your family. Gulfport Home Center. Some good news uh, for Southern Miss football fans. 
Uh, offensive lineman Bryce Foxworth, who uh, anybody that was at the game uh, this past Saturday, he was actually ejected. News out today that he will not have to sit out uh, the first half of the Mississippi State game. So uh, Bryce Foxworth available for Coach uh, Ryan Stanchek in that offense. Uh, we we continue with Al Holder. Now you were making some comments uh, about the, the offense uh, against Alcorn. Go ahead with that. Well, I, I one of one of the things I thought in the first half uh, was that we were going sideline to sideline, you know, just kind of chunking the ball out to a receiver, seeing if he could get in space and uh, and make something happen. And uh, uh, the uh, all corner was kind of taken care of, but in the second half, we started going more vertical. And once we did that, that and it just the whole game changed. Uh, the I, I don't know about y'all, but toward the end of the game. Two guys really impressed me, Jordan Kemp and D. Baker, the two freshman running backs. And uh, I just I like the way they ran the football. They ran it very hard, and uh, we're not going to have uh, uh, Travinsky back, uh, it doesn't look like, for for the game Saturday unless a miracle happens. And, and uh, so I think those two guys may, may, may uh, bust out and show us something. I sure hope so. Yeah, yeah uh, Travinsky's going to be had out Quiz for, Wyatt, for Wyatt. several weeks. Yeah, Quez is out for a one more game. Uh, Kemp yeah. is actually the third down back, uh, number two on the depth chart, so I expect to see him. But reports out of practice are D. Baker is going to see a lot of snaps this weekend. He's a freshman out of Northwest Rankin. Really explosive speed, and I think he'll get some of those carries. The only thing you worry about true freshmen is, you know, in pass protection, can they pick up the blitzes? But but Bob yeah. and Kelly, uh, you know, you, you got plenty of weapons back there uh, behind Jack Abraham. No, there's no yeah. question. And, and I'm curious to get your input out. What do, what do you you think what do you think Southern Miss has to do to go up there and, and have a shot at winning the game? Well, first off, you any anytime you're away, you don't want you don't want to uh, make any mistakes. You don't want to turn the ball over. And and so if I I believe if we can effectively run the football, uh do do some play action, run the football, uh and not make any mistakes, uh I think uh, the games is the game's winnable. Yeah. I think state. If we're going to beat state, I think it's a good year to do it. It's just, yeah. just my thinking. I thought that all along, uh, and uh, uh, so we'll just have to go see. Right, let, the, me, uh, let me remind. They, they that... were real. They were real vanilla last uh, mm-hmm. last week. There was not a lot of. We didn't show much. So state doesn't get a whole lot of tape out of it. Right, and with all due respect to Mississippi State, they look beatable when they play uh, the losing yeah, they did. Uh want to remind our listeners real quick that we put this up on our Facebook page yesterday. We're going to give away four tickets to the Texas El Paso game and four new Eagle Hour t-shirts. And all we want you to do is go on the website and predict the score. We've had a huge response already, and we want to encourage everybody to continue to do that. So real quickly, before we run out of time, We'll do this a little early. Kelly, what would you say the score Saturday would be? Oh, my gosh, Bob. Uh, first of all, Southern Miss fans, while I try to come up with this score, remember to take sunscreen and remember to hydrate. Right, that's right. I mean, because it's going to be wicked hot right. out there. Um, gosh, I'd like to say that the Eagles could win this game. Um, and so I'm going to say they are. And, and I'll, uh, I'll make it 20-17, uh, to 17, Eagles. Luke? Go to Al first. Al? 27-24, Southern Miss. Luke? 26-20, Southern Miss. So we have a unanimous choice here that Southern Miss wins the game Saturday afternoon. Bob? Bob? Uh, you know, I... <laughs> 
I think we're looking at, at, at maybe like a, a, a 21 to 17 game, and, and I think it could go either way, I'll be honest. I, I think either team has a chance. Well, I watched Mississippi State and Louisiana Lafayette, and again, Mississippi State's big, strong, SEC-looking football team. But, you know, all, with all due respect, they looked real beatable to me, and they looked pretty average to me. And I think defensively we've made a lot of strides from what I saw. Even though we were playing Alcorn State, our defense looks athletic and uh, and fast, and I think that gives us a chance to win. But can the Eagles put up enough points? Well, there's the question. Uh, yeah. Can the offensive line keep Mississippi State off the quarterback and, and create some lanes for a running attack? And I think in that lies the key. And, of course, turnovers. You can't turn the football over. And State beat Louisiana Lafayette in New Orleans. It was a neutral field. Louisiana Lafayette probably an upper half or half right. finisher in the, in the Sun Belt. All right. Conference USA and Sun Belt are probably comparable right, right. in many respects. So you'd think that, you know, from a talent standpoint, Mississippi State probably has, you know, top to bottom uh, better players overall. But it comes down to how they perform in one game. That's right. And so is it safe to say, Al, if the Golden Eagles pull the upset, it's stakes for all four of us on you at uh, at uh, the finest steakhouse in Jackson? Absolutely. No question about it. <laughs> of course, we'll have to eat before hey, four man. in the afternoon. Right. We'll, we'll come for the early bird, Al. Yeah. Save you some money. Because Al's in bed by seven. Hey, Al, man. thank you, buddy. We appreciate you, man. All right, Al Holder, everybody. That's a, another wrap and a lot of fun talking about state and Southern Miss, no question. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.